Praise the Lord. Amen. How many is glad you're prepared? Amen. One of these days, it's going to happen. Thank you. You could be seated. Amen. Welcome to Sunday School. We appreciate you being here this morning. Amen. Uh, not looking forward to winter. I've enjoyed this warmer weather, and the pattern's going to change. And amen. I'm thankful today that, amen, the Lord has given us health and strength. And uh, I want to say what an honor it is to be here in Sunday School. But I do want to put a disclaimer out there that uh, uh, I think Brother Wes set me up. I get all the hard ones. And I always get to be the bad guy, you know, the, the tough stuff. See, I'm already setting the tone, see, for the service. No, but uh, uh, the, today's lesson's about rejecting the world. And uh, it's something that uh, really should be talked about quite a bit in the church. And uh, we really should be uh, mindful of what's going on around us in the world. But uh, I want to get right into the Word because uh, time constraints, uh, not a lot that we can get in uh, in what we're going to be talking about here this morning. First uh, John chapter 2 is where you want to go if you have your Bibles, First John chapter 2. And uh, again, it's an honor and privilege to be before you today. And uh, I do want to say that uh, uh, we had made the announcement about going to Ireland uh, that's not appearing. Not, that's not going to happen. Uh, I talked with Brother Walls, Brother Ball, and Brother Kackendall, uh, who's the missionary that's going to be going over there in March. Uh, they're on lockdown over there. By the time they come off lockdown, by the time we would be able to make the arrangements after the new year, uh, and then go over there and quarantine, I think, for 14 days, 10 to 14 days coming out of the country, uh, it just wouldn't be feasible uh, and, and, you know, the money, it's expensive to fly over there and, and all that and take care of all that for the for the organization. So uh, we've all just agreed to kind of, and, of course, we wouldn't want to get over there and have a setback and uh, not be able to do anything. So that was our main concern, uh, going over there and not just being able to be a part of things. So uh, by the time all that would be uh, in motion, uh, half the time would be uh, gone anyway. Uh, before they can get over there in March. So uh, we're not going to be going. So it looks like you're stuck. Oh, you're doing it because he's doing it. Okay, okay, I see. All right, follow the leader. Thank you, though, by the way. Thank you. We're, we are. Um, my wife asked me if I was disappointed. I said, well, I'm disappointed because, you know, I want to be able to, you know, the goal is to try to help people and be a part of things. The other, the other side of it is I don't like having anything hanging over your head. And not knowing and not knowing and not knowing uh, how things are is the, t- the toughest part for me. So uh, we're glad that at least that's taken care of. First John chapter 2 in our lesson today I was given uh, has to do with uh, John talking about rejecting the world. Somebody say rejecting the world. And uh, he says, uh, and because of our time limit, I won't be able to get into all the details that John lists here, but he says a lot in this small passage of Scripture. And First uh, John chapter 2, verse number 12, he says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. He says, verse 13, I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. Verse 14, I have written unto you, 
fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. And I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Verse 15, love not the world. This is where he starts now getting into rejecting the world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Somebody say, "Uh uh-oh. Yeah. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father, the love of God, the love of the Spirit is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of God, is not of the Father, is not of the Spirit, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Thank you. You could be seated. Uh, the last portion of verse number 17, <clears throat> before I really kind of get going here, is I want to make sure that this last portion, it poses a very deep question uh, when the statement is made, abideth forever. Uh, all my life, I've always heard about the fountain of youth, uh, all the things that, uh, you know, go with that, and all, all the wonders, and uh, first trip I ever went to Israel uh, they were a bunch of people in the mud uh, at the Dead Sea because the mud was supposed to make your skin last forever and be, a, you know, and make you not age and all that good stuff. And from what I've seen, and, and one of the brothers made the comment, says, don't look, look like it's working for them. There's always naysayers. Busting the bubble. But anyway, you know, the, the, the thought of living forever. And, you know, so we pose the question because, again, John jumps into some things here that's a lot to be taken. Uh, you know, really a, a good Bible study really needs to be in just this small portion. But <coughs> in verse 17, he says that uh, the deep question about abiding forever. Is it possible to live forever? And that, that's a yes and no question. I mean, that's a yes and no answer, I should say. It's yes and no. Yes, it's possible, according to the word of God, that we can live forever. Uh, no, not in this flesh. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So it's possible, but there's something here, and he, and he makes the statement here that if we do the will of God. And so don't have time to get into that depth part of the will of God because there's a lot that goes to it, but I want to I want to point out a couple of things that he does uh, make mention of, and he, he does really drive home, because according to the Word of God, we can literally and figuratively, if you think about it, because we know Jesus, He's the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was made flesh, dwelt among us. We know that, so we know literally and figuratively. I mean that you know. It is, it is, we can, it is possible that we can live forever because we can abide in Christ. Now, also notice that John, and who it is that he's addressing, and notice how he says little children, uh, that's just a generic statement to the whole congregation, to the whole group, little children. That's like we would address brothers and sisters. Uh, he would say, he said, little, little children. But then he goes a step further and says to the fathers. And what he's doing, he's addressing to the spiritual maturity of the people uh, and those that would hear, those that would read. 
Then he says the young men, the strong, and he uses age as, as something, as a, a, a point, letting them know that because they're young and vibrant and because they're strong, that they're able to possess something and overcome the wicked one. And how many know when you're younger, this is the older group, so how many know when you're younger, you have more vitality? You feel like you can whip the world. As you get older, you make appointments with yourself. Tomorrow I'm going to get up and I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to take me a small break. I've been working in my garage, and I've had flat feet, and so standing on concrete just tears me up after a while. And, man, I'm fine while you're hot and while you're working, but when you sit down, it's over. It's done. So you have to pace yourself, and you feel that. So he's talking to the young, the vibrant. He's talking to all aspects here of what we can use today as far as spiritual strength and being strong. When you're young, you think different. My dad always told me, and I hate to admit it, but he's right. As you get older, you think differently. And when you're young and you hear someone say that to you, what? I ain't going to think different about this and about that. No way. Then you realize as you get older, man, that don't appeal to me like it used to. That's nothing. That's why sometimes we smile and we grin when we see young people bouncing off the walls because something's happening. You just smile and say, well, that's not the worst of it. Amen. So notice what he said, and notice who he's addressed. And he says, but he says, he says, listen, he said, I want you to know, little children, I want you to know, fathers, I want you to know, young men. And and he also he states, he said, I write unto you. Now notice this in this section right here, he says, I write unto you. I have written unto you. In these five chapters in First John, he literally says this. Over and over and over, 10 to 12 times, he uses, I write unto you, I have written unto you. He, he, he keeps emphasizing that. He says that 10 to 12 times in these five chapters. He says it here four or five times just in this brief scripture that I've read. Now, why does he tell the reader, and why does the reader need to be reminded all the time, I wrote this down repeatedly, that John is communicating in writing? I mean, I'm writing, well, hello, if I'm reading this, I know you're writing unto me. Why does he keep repeating? Why? Because it's obvious he was writing. Now, you got to keep in mind, because writing requires a reader. I mean, even if you make yourself a note, you make yourself a note with the intentions of reading it to remind yourself. So writing requires, that's deep, isn't it? It requires reading. Now, you got to keep in mind in the first century that very few could really read. Very few could read. They, very few could read common Greek. Notice that. It's important. Let alone having personal copies of handwritten scripture. They didn't have, uh, uh, you know, Bibles. They didn't have the Word like we have it. It wasn't available. Very few, if any, had handwritten scriptures that was written or letters that was written or copies of these letters that was written. Very few had that. And so it's important to keep that in mind when you're seeing why he's emphasizing so much. I have written. I write unto you to let you know. So someone would have to read, need to read to them. We know the scripture tells us faith comes by and hearing from the word of God. Why has the word of God been written to us? To encourage our faith. To increase our faith. 
to let us know. And give us, watch, give us the ability to choose. That's where you hear in the world today the term free will. Free will is not just a a prescription to go out and do what you want to do. Free will just gives you choices. You have the free will. God don't make you choose. You have the free will to choose right or wrong or to do right or wrong. But some in the Christian world uses free will to do what you want to do, live how you want to live. That's not the way it is, and I'm going to show you something here in just a second. So someone would have to read to them, and John wanted it to be heard as well as read. So when, when it's being read, I have written, he wanted people to know that that was hearing, not just the reader, people that were hearing, it was from him. I have written. These are the things. Because he's the same writer of Revelation, the book of Revelation. In fact, Revelation 1 and 3, look what he says, because it connects with how he feels. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for time is at hand. He wanted people to know, so John made it very clear. Blessing is for both the reader and the hearer. Amen. So when you hear the word of God being read, even whether you read it or not, when you hear it being read, that's why church is important. Because most people don't read their Bible. Come on, they don't. Let's just be honest. Most people, not everybody, most people don't take the time to read and study the Word of God. So That's why faith comes by hearing. How can they hear except to be a preacher? God has a process for us to have. So he, we, he makes sure, like John, he makes sure that we understand the Word is given for a reason. To be read and to be heard. <laughs> now, again, put up... Uh, First John 2.14. Because here I believe John shows that the word of God must be internalized. Somebody say internalized. Inside. Notice what he says. Verse 14. He says, I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. They should, they should have known. How would they know? I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth where? Has to be internalized. We've got to get it. We've got to understand. We've got to have knowledge. We've got to, have, we've got to be able to hear so that we can be doers. You can't obey something if something's not conveyed to you. You can't follow something if it's not given to you. Well, that's why we're, I mean, we are creatures of habit. As long as we know our boundaries, we would rather have uh, uh, be told what our boundaries are, what we can and can't do. Because if you just leave it open, that's why, listen, and I'm going to say this tongue in cheek, that's why the Christian world is in trouble today. Because it's wide open. It's like smorgasbord, it's like restaurants, everywhere, everything, whatever you have the mood for today, you can have it. It's true. It is, it's true. So John is writing these things, he said, I, and I believe he shows that it take, the word of God must be internalized, it must be inside, it must be heard, it must be kept. Because if you look at the next verse, verse 15, it shows without its presence, the love of God is what? It's missing. 
Because if any man have not, if any man love the world, the love of the Father, the love of God, the love of the Spirit, however you want to term it, is not in you. Well, you can't judge me. No, the Word does. Because our actions are telling, amen, who we are and what we are. By what we know and what we've heard. That's why teaching is important. That's why Bible studies are important. Not just to read, but to hear. Now get this, because, listen, we say, we, and people get so offended today about the least little things, but look what he says. He says, listen, if you love the world, you don't have God in you. Well, Brother Purdue, this is why, if you look around, this is why loving the world, you don't follow fads. The big thing today, everybody's got their hair blue, green, yellow, purple, orange. The fad today is tattoos. The fad today is, you know, the different kind of clothing. Listen, we've got to be, and I'm not, I'm not against all, I'm saying what well, we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful what the world loves that we don't co-sign and we don't reflect the same thing. Come on. Thanks. See, I get all the, I get all the good stuff. But it is, it's, it's, and it's not difficult. We make it difficult because we want to live another direction because we're living in our flesh. And I'll show you because what does he do? He goes right into that by telling us. <laughs> because John's also very good at pointing out the connection between the young, youthful strength, spiritual strength to overcome the wicked one. Come on, you have to have some strength today to overcome this world. Wickedness. Watch. Now, I want to quickly explain something. And I want to explain the contrast about what John says about rejecting the world. Because he says, listen, you can be in the world but not of the world. We know that. But he makes a very profound statement when he says, love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any person love the world, the love of God, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is what? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Notice what he says. That's not of God. That's not of God. That's not a spiritual thing. That's not a spiritual move. That is a love for the world. And he says, all that's in this world, put that together. Because he makes it very clear what he's talking about. But let me show you something here because I want to make sure that we understand the distinct uh, contrast between two statements. We've heard John 3.16. We can quote it. For God so loved the world that he gave, right? When you look at the word love and you work at the, look at the word uh, world, World means cosmos, by the way. Cosmos. When he, in John 3, 16, when he says, God so loved the world, and then here in 1 John, he's telling us, love not the world. Well, God so loved the world. Isn't that a contrast? Isn't that a variance? No, I want to, I want to point something out to you. He says, God so loved the world that he gave. 1 John 2, 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. All that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. 
He lets us know. Both translate. Now get this. This is important. Both translate the same word, world, as cosmos in both scriptures. God so loved the world. God so loved the cosmos. In 1 John, he says, love not the cosmos. Now it's important for us to understand this and dissect because both use the same word, love. The Greek word means agapo, agape. Means the same in both. So why is there such a contrast? God so loved the world, and John's saying, don't love the world. <laughs> and, and they're talking about the exact same thing. Now get this, it appears. Now get this, because it's the context. Look at your neighbor and say context. It's the context of what's being written. That's why he says, I'm writing. That's why he says it so much. It's the context of what's being written that we must play, pay close attention to because it influences the meaning of words. Oh, some of you ought to know this. You text? How many text? Oh, look at you bunch of liars. Raise your hand. It ain't a trick question. How many email? And sometimes you ever text somebody, blah, 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 respond to something, and they come back. What do you mean by that? Like, uh-oh. You didn't mean nothing by it. The word, it's the context of what's being said on how sometimes things are taken. I've gotten in trouble because you know, just respond, you know, just like I would if I was talking to you. What's the, what do you mean by that? Notice, God's, God so loved the world. What is he talking about? He's talking to the populace. He's talking to the people. He's, he's letting us know it's about people of the planet. People of the people of the world. Now get this. So how do, we, how do you know that, Brother Purdue? Read the next verse. Put up verse 17. John 3, 16, 3, 17. Look at it. Because the context reveals the object of his love. He's using the same love, the same term. He's using the same world as in 1 John. But in John 3, 16 and 3, 17 tells us, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but, but that the world, notice this, the world the cosmos through him might be saved. Who's he talking to? What's the context? The context is people because obviously it's, it's not trees. It's not a plant. It's not thing. It's obviously people, only the people that can be delivered or saved. And we know that by the connection of the garden. The why. So the context is important to know what he's saying because both are using the same words or terms, exactly the same, and they have two exact opposites. God so loved the world. God said he loved, and John said, don't love the world because if you do, God's not in you. What is it? Because it's important for us to figure this out. <laughs> We know that by verse 17, 
It reveals the object of his love to be the people, that the world, the people through him might be saved, might be delivered. It's people. It's people. It's obvious that he's talking about people, the only ones that's capable of believing and needing to be delivered. It's obvious. So John 3.16 is not about God's love for the planet, the cosmos itself, of system, of things that's on it. It's not even what he's talking about. He's talking about the people. So when people tell you, well, the Bible's confusing, it's only when we don't put it all together. Again, that's why John is saying, I'm writing, I'm written, it's there, I want you to hear. It's important to know there's a difference. And the only way some of you listen, and some of you new converts need to get this, Bible study, get the word, get it all that you can. Every time that you can get it, get it. Not saying that because we want to have that. Listen, if you have that feeling, you shouldn't be coming to this church. Ain't about making a name for ourselves. It's about saving people, seeing people delivered. That's the love of God. John didn't come along like Brother Purdue here, Bishop, saying, Hey, don't love the world. Preachers get up and say, Love God, love people. Don't. No, it's not. Totally, totally opposite. Now, now get this. Now we'll switch over. First John 2:15. The world, when he says the world, because remember, they're, they're saying when he says love and the world, they're exact same Greek words as in John 3.16. First John 2.15, the world is not about people or the planet. It's totally about the system. Look at your neighbor and say the system. What's the system? The system is the values and the desires that have encumbered this world that affects those on the planet. Sin entered into the cosmos, how? By people. God has a remedy for the people to get out of the system. But we have to understand what it is we're in. When you have a desire to be like everybody else, something's not quite right. Thank you. I'm on that list. Somebody, I was going to mail you a Christmas card. I ain't mail it to you now. Don't worry about it. I just look at it and throw it away anyway. <laughs> Sister Laura, you know, won't let me do that. You know, I'm like a kid. I open up. If nothing falls out, throw it away. <laughs> well, that's part true, yeah. But anyway, notice this. It's important. It's important that we pull these things together because the system is the values, it's the desires, it's the ways that affects the people, the things on the planet. Now look at verse 16 here. Notice what he says. For all that is in the world. Well, that makes me a good guy too. But you know what? I didn't say he did. John did. Here's what he said. Is it, is it, if, if I were to tell you that today without you having biblical reference, what would you say to me? Man, he's judging. Where did he get his information from? Because he didn't have a Bible to refer to. He got it from the Spirit, from direction. You understand what I'm saying? The Word of God is divine. Let's not forget that. The Word of God is divine, is inspirational, whatever form it comes in. Whether it fits our mold or not. 
It is. It's divine. It's from God. So we've got to be careful what we decide to reject or accept. He says all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Let me ask you a question. Name one sin in this world that don't have roots in one of these. One sin that don't have roots in one of these. Because it all comes from this. Because he said that's all that's in the world, the system. We have designed, sin has come in, it has designed a system of lust and desires. That's what got us in trouble in the first place. And the devil knows that, and he knows that we're people of habit and people of culture. And guess what? He keeps presenting it to us only in generations, different fashions and ways. That's why some of you young people, well, I wouldn't dress like them old people. All I wouldn't dress. I don't want to look like an homage person. I don't want to. Listen, you've got your mind all twisted because that's not what it's about. It's not how you really look. It's how you really feel inside. Because if you got the I got to mentality, you've got the devil in your ear. Oh, that's not my, no, I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, we've been listening to the spirit of the world way too much. Telling people things and bringing it right into the church house and expecting the ministry to leave it alone. John says, let me just tell you how it is, folks. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is all that there is in the world because that's the system of the values and desires that has created the problem and the reason why we have salvation. Ooh, man, I feel the Lord. I said, Lord, let me sweeten this some way. I don't know. That's what he says. For all that's in the world. Boy, I tell you what, for some of you that can't take much, that's a Debbie Downer right there. Did you? That's all they're going to get out. That's all I heard today. Ain't nothing good in, the, in life. Lust of the flesh and lust of the eye. That's all there is in the world. It's about perspective. <laughs> it's about context. If you read the word and you, you were to text God back, what do you mean by that? Come on, because that's what our lives are doing in some cases. We're telling God, what do you mean I got to live like that? What do you mean you got to say? What are you saying that for? What does that mean? I can see now people tell, are you judging me, God? It's about the context. Of what we get from the word. The word of God is our safe place. And you've heard it said here. It's our ark of safety. Amen. Just like it was in the days of Noah. It may stink sometimes. It may have its issues. But it's the best thing afloat today. And you better get that in your spirit. And realize. Amen. It's God's plan to take you out of here. Well, I ain't got time. You better make time. That job you got should not keep you from the word and the house of God. Come on. Well, you know, pastor wants his ties. His ties, it ain't his ties. It should be the first fruit. You see, are the way we think of things, the church, the church, your church, that church. No, it should be my church, our church. It's the house of God. It's the place where I get fed. Where my kids, my grandkids are going to get the Holy Ghost. 
Because they're going to hear it. It's not going to be hidden or suppressed. Yes. He says, listen, all that's in the world. Now, now what is he going? He don't stop there. He said, it's not of God. Give me a two-minute warning. Ding, ding. That's where I can hear you. Ding, ding. Two minutes now? That clock ain't right. Let me talk in tongues for two minutes. Okay. He says, it's not of God. It's not of the Father. It's not of the Spirit. But it is of the world. It's of the system. Lust is a, look it up. It's a strong desire or craving. When you lust for something, when you go after something other than God, you're saying that is more important. Look at it. Please keep this and make special attention to this. All that's in the world. That's all that's out there. Listen, if you're a fisherman, sometimes you go to certain places to catch certain fish. All that's out there is this. Get out of the world. Get out of that mess. Realize that God's offering something great because that is the will of God and that leads you to abide forever. Lust of trauma. <laughs> Come on, think about it. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. That's all the world has to offer. Are you kidding me comparing that to what God is giving us and offering us? You're saying that's worth more? Think about it. When we live our life that way, lust of being a strong desire, the eyes is a strong desire of what one sees. We know in Matthew 5 what the Lord said about If you just look on a woman, ooh, baby. You know, because I've made these comments jokingly. Oh, you can look at the menu, but you just can't order. You know. No. Jesus said, if you look, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lustful spirit. You don't know what spirit you're under. If he had enough nerve to turn around and tell Peter, I rebuke you. Come on. If he can rebuke one of his own, we ought to be able to say, listen, i got to check myself and realize that when I'm looking at something and it becomes more desirous than the church, than the word of God, than living for God, than dressing for God, than talking for God, come on, than listening for the things that God is trying to say to us and not trying to read into it. Pride of life. Okay, here's the last thing. Last thing. Pride of life. What's the pride of life mean? Means no need of a shepherd. It's self reliant. I'm gonna tell you something. Here's what I see in the churches because it's not just here. Churches and our faith. I'm not talking about other, I'm talking about our faith, the churches. Here's what I see a lot of people are self reliant. I've never seen the like of people so private. The only time they talk to pastor and wanting to be the shepherd is when they let you know they're not coming to church. Other than that, stay out of my business. People want a preacher and not a shepherd. They want somebody to preach to them, make them feel good, but they don't want a shepherd, their voice, to tell them what direction and which way we need to go and how we need to do to remain safe. Arrogant. Look it up. Pride. Self-reliance. Arrogant. Self-centered. I've had people look at me and I say, I, I don't need God. I don't need all that. 
I've had people look me in the eye and say, I don't need to speak in tongues, be saved. Well, then you're not totally delivered because that's what saved means. See, you got this mindset, saved means you're going to heaven. No, saved means you've been delivered from unbelief. That's what it means. It just simply means you've been delivered from the unbelief because you now believe in Christ. And if you believe in Christ, you'll follow the teachings and the way. He had to open up their understanding before he left, after being with them. But anyway, look, look, because if we don't realize what has control over our life, we're going to allow it to control us. Stand with me. People are private today, don't need a shepherd. They just want a preacher to make them feel good, leave them alone. The other big thing I've been told, I bet you if I, if I had money for every time I was told, that, well, I know you're busy. I'm not too busy when I look out there or when I find out later that you're in a mess. Come on. That's, 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 that's the ministry. That's a shepherd. It's not this mentality of they need to know everything in my life. No. Because I promise you this. And I know this for me. I don't know about the whole team. But I promise you, God is no respecter person. He's showed me things about some of you that I've never ever said or don't even talk about. Inspiration. Sometimes you don't have to say anything. It's already felt or known. Something's going on. Maybe not in detail or depth. And that's why it should be on your part. Because you know what? If we do fall, if we do fail, if we do sin, we that believe... Know that we have an advocate. We confess it. We say it. We speak it. We don't bury it. Come on, we don't let pride kill us. Come on. Oh, I feel. Ooh, my lahasha. I feel that. Come on. I don't care whether you're in leadership. I don't care whether you're brand new. Don't let pride kill you. Because it will. It will take you down. All that's in the world. Remember, all that's in the world is not godly. But they do identify all that's in the world. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? Think about it. There's not a sin in this world. There's not a problem in this world that doesn't come back to what John is saying here. To reject the world simply means we want to do the will of God. To do our best to do the will of God. That's what it means. We know the plan of salvation. Come on, we know the basics. 101, we know repentance. We know baptism. We hear that. We know. But are we following? Are we rejecting the ways of the world? Because when we do, when we do that kind of thing, he says, listen, he said, God can't be there. He's not in that. And this is all that the world has to offer. Come on now. I know, we're not, I know we're not crazy. I know we're not silly. Who in the world, who in their right mind would reject, amen, the things of God to accept the ways of this world? Rejecting the world is important. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet. 
Your word is a light unto our path. Lord, we hide in our heart, God, that we might not sin against you, Lord. Help us, Lord God, to learn and to be mindful, Lord God, to reject, Lord God, the things of this world, God, that would keep us from your perfect will. We ask you for your favor and for your blessing because we are hearers and we are readers. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Well, make sure you go to the restroom, come back in, and let's worship the Lord. Come on, let's have a great service.